uh, look who's back. Um, this is going to be the first in a series of, you know, maybe two or three podcasts where I kind of talk about the process leading up to my latest feature, Mystery Spot, which we are, as I record this, it is that we are going to be going into our next to last day, day 11. Um, and I had intended to kind of record more during the process, but it just got so busy. Um, but what I, uh, I guess what I quickly discovered and I hint at it a little bit in the chunk of this next pod, this podcast you're about to hear that I recorded a while ago. Um, I, you know, this process kind of, it unlocks some serious mental issues within me. Like I have, I have had crippling anxiety and depression pretty much this whole time that that only kind of cleared up maybe after we got through our first week and I, I, I never anticipated it. I mean, what I tell everybody is I feel like for all these years trying to get another thing made, it seemed like it's all I wanted to do. And then when it really happened, it was the last thing on earth I wanted to do. So I, you know, fortunately I've gotten through, I mean, I say I've gotten through it, but you know, just yesterday, like I still kind of go up and down, like just yesterday, we had a great day. We finished early. We got everything we needed. Everybody was happy. And I was like on a high and then some stuff happened. I got super annoyed. I started to shut down and it was nothing major. It's just normal movie making stuff. But, uh, I just, last night I turfed out again pretty much. So, I mean, I'm still kind of on that ride and what I liken it to, uh, I don't think I'm going to put this picture up, but maybe eventually, but it's still so, still so close. It's a little raw, uh, I think I mentioned that we went to we went to Disneyland for Reagan's birthday this year, and it coincided with some pre-production for the movie. Just be, I hadn't intended it to be that way, but it just happened that way. And I was going to be out there, so we did a script reading and everything. So I was anxious and screwed up for that whole trip, almost like I, I felt like I couldn't really be in the moment and enjoy it. Although I seemed like I did, uh, but it was still kind of a rough go. But anyway, Reagan on. Uh, when we had planned to go to, when we kept talking about Disneyland as we got closer and closer and she had friends at school that have been, she kept talking about Splash Mountain. All she wanted to ride was Splash Mountain. That was like her number one thing that we had to make it to. So we eventually, you know, we made it to it, spent the time in the line because we couldn't fast pass that one at the time. We made it to Splash Mountain, spent the time waiting in line. She was getting more and more excited. She really wanted to ride, ride it. She was seeing people come down the ride, you know, like, and, uh, she just was super stoked to get on it. And then the minute she got on it and we hit that first like little drop, she was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Get me off right now. And she started to cry a little bit and I had to turn around and tell her, look, you know, there's no way we can get off the ride now. We've got to kind of see it through, but I promise you, you'll be okay. And, uh, you know, we'll get through it. And of course that didn't help. You know, she just kept getting more and more freaked out. And then on the last drop, which those of you that know Splash Mountain, it's kind of known for that last drop. She, you know, was scared beyond her, like out of her mind, you know, and they take a picture there. So there's a picture that immortalizes her abject fear and terror as we're going over that last drop. And, uh, I mean, what better, I didn't realize this until maybe we started the movie, but what better metaphor than for the shit that I'm going through than, than that? Cause that's all she wanted to do. And then when she got on it and she, she realized it was real and exactly what it would take. Like it was the last place on earth she wanted to be. And I totally 
I totally relate. I totally feel for her. And that's exactly what this experience has been like, oddly enough. And, and But in a weird way, I was talking to Debbie about it when she was here. And I'm sad that we didn't get to do a podcast while she was here. But it was everything was a little nuts. Uh, the hurricane, Dorian, actually kind of screwed up her travel plans. And we had to kind of scramble. But we got to figure it out. And she got here. Uh, but she had she left yesterday. So it was kind of a like a quick three-day thing. And we've all been so exhausted once we get done uh, with our days. So anyway, uh, I was talking to Debbie about it, and um, an interesting sort of side benefit that I hadn't anticipated was, yeah, I'm de- I'm depressed, and I don't kind of I kind of don't want to do this, or didn't. I mean, I'm getting better, I guess. But uh, sorry, I'm driving to grab some breakfast, so you may hear some street sounds. Um, but an interesting side effect was because of all that. I care a lot less about stupid bullshit, like people puffing up their chest on. There's not there's not been a whole lot of this, but there has been some people puffing puffing up their chest on set, you know, to try to show off to people or, you know, questioning my calls just because I'm trying to. Because I've done this a few times, I know what I'm doing. You know what I mean? Even even if it seems like a weird sort of thing to uh, a weird uh, call at the time, you know, it's it's not made out of ignorance usually there's a there's a reason behind it but uh anyway but usually that stuff would bother me so much that i'd want to like get into a fist fight with the other person you know what i mean like just because i've been so on edge but now i'm just like or just like people getting hung up on things and and delaying the process a little bit those things justified or not you know what i mean like there's there's the time where those conversations are totally justified but it would always annoy me to the point of like you know, intense anger. And now I just, I just don't care. I'm just like, it's just let it slide off. It'll bother me for maybe a little bit minor inconvenience, but I'm just like, you know what? In a sense, if you want this, please, you can have it. You know what I mean? Like you think, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I would love for them to step into my shoes and actually, and you know, feel what it's actually like and, and, and experience this. And also I also, I feel like, well, I'm going to do the best job I can and I'm, I'm really enjoying this and enjoying what we're getting and it's definitely the best thing I've ever done thus far but I also if it if it ends up not making a ripple or splash or if this ends up being my last movie I kind of feel like so what it's not a I don't have that much uh, invest not that much invested in, in it anymore but I don't feel like it defines me so much that I that I just need to do it because look at how I feel in preparation to do it. Like I was so it's, it's the most anxious I've ever been in my life, you know? So that's kind of the context for these next few that are coming out. Uh, I, I wanted to wait and put them out until we got close to being done. Cause I didn't want to mind fuck myself or mind fuck anybody else that might hear them while we're still shooting. But now I, th- I mean, we're doing great. So, um, I don't really think there's any chance of that. And I felt like I had to try to get it up on Friday the 13th because I feel like the whole thing is a Friday the 13th, the series curious goods kind of deal where I got my wildest, I got my greatest wish and it's, you know, poison somehow. And the mesmer's bauble is going to get me at some point, you know? Um, so that's why I wanted to make sure it got up today. Also, it's, uh, the, let's see, 1991, what the 28th anniversary of Freddy's dead, the release. So, you know, I know Lisa's not in that one, but you know, it's still a nightmare thing. And I, I hear, I understand that you know, they 
lean heavy on Nightmare Five in the It movie too, or in the in the second part of the It movie. Um, so uh, it just timing and all. So uh, here's the first part where I kind of just detail a lot of the background of what led up to this. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I haven't talking about talked about just because I felt embarrassed about it. But now, like I said, I don't care. I just want to get it out there because me talk. Like I said, me talking to Debbie helped me out and helped me feel better and I think it helped her feel better so hopefully hearing all this stuff will resonate with someone out there that's feeling the same way about whatever you're doing this is the shit that I'm going through or that I went through or what I had what I'm having to sort of juggle around to make this happen so check it out there's a couple more parts to come I'm going to record again once we get done and out probably early next week Ah, here we are, getting back to the roots on the road, although it's not a long trip. I'm just driving to Austin. That'll kind of date this. I'm driving to Austin to see Jawbox. It's uh, July the 20th. So we are, well, I'll get to all that. But uh, I think I might not, I might not release this until after we get started with shooting uh, the next project, which we'll get to if you don't know about it. Um, just because I don't, I don't know if I want this. Well, there's stuff that I, I guess we can't talk about yet. That by the time we start shooting, we can, and I'll probably mention it without thinking about it. So, but also there's other stuff I don't know if I want out in the world yet. I don't want to give it that power because <laughs> I, I plan on. Uh, I think it's time now. Now that everything's going, you know, and I feel like I've sort of picked myself back up and crawled out of the bat cave, so to speak. Uh, that I, I feel like it's time to sort of like really reflect on some of the past, the last few years and stuff that I haven't really talked about or only alluded to or stuff that people don't know about at all. Cause I think it's important as part of the journey. And, uh, so yeah, I think it's what I'll do on this drive while I'm on route to Austin. I'm still like in Cyprus. So we have a, we have a lot of time to talk. Um, yeah. So I guess to, not to bury the lead for those of you that don't know. Sorry, I just opened a sparkling water. Um, so I'm sure my throat's going to get pretty dry. Uh, not to bury the lead, but for those that don't know, my next feature has been green lit and we start shooting it on uh, labor day. Uh, so we shoot it, start in September, shoot for a couple weeks. We're shooting in, uh, Hempstead, Texas. I'm about to drive right by the location that we're going to be shooting at. Everything pretty much happens there. Uh, the feature that we're shooting is mystery spot which I think I've mentioned before. Um, it is a old school kind of suspense horror thriller thing. It's more like a twi- Twilight Zone episode than like a gore fest for sure. Pause to take a drink here. Oh, it's a long drink. Uh, yeah, more like a Twilight Zone thing, which will be fun. Um, and that one kind of got green lit out of the blue. Uh, I, I will totally lay out the entire situation. Uh, some of which I kind of, there's another video that I recorded a few weeks ago. I'll probably maybe put that up before that, this one, or maybe up on YouTube. It's kind of a companion to this. Uh, cause I'm going to try to really send more content to YouTube now that we're shooting and hopefully get some behind the scenes type stuff, and, you know, really kind of make my YouTube, uh, channel more robust or have, more reason to go check it out besides demo reels anyway 
There's a video I recorded that I haven't put up yet because I was sitting on it for the same reason, but it kind of lays out the situation, but I'll kind of go, go back through it here. So for those of you that have been listening to the podcast, you know that uh, for the last several years, I've been working on production stuff. A couple years ago, I had a really bad health thing happen when I was on set in Las Vegas. That kind of changed the game for me a little bit. Uh, not immediately. I did work on a, I think I did work on a couple things after that. Uh, because that's when I started to notice I had weird PTSD from that particular event. Uh, and then, uh, but I started to really reassess kind of what my game plan was. And uh, I, I really started to come to terms with the fact that I didn't want to go, just go work on productions just because I was working on a production, like to scratch that itch, to say that I was in the film industry or whatever. Uh, because it was on... It was making me unhappy. It was nearly killing me, literally. And it wasn't enough. The stuff we were working on, it, you know, I've said this a thousand times, but it's paid, it paid the bills, but that's pretty much it. You know, so I'd barely break even. And then on top of that, I'd be gone from home and miss my wife and kid. So not the best situation. So around that time, uh, I kind of really started to think, well, maybe the best, maybe the best idea is to do what I did when we shot the last features, my features, because during Witchcraft, Closet Space, Imago, and uh, Psychic Experiment, and Placeholders, I I worked. I had a day job. And then we kind of shot that stuff around there, so I didn't have to worry about... I could pretty much, when I focused on movie stuff, I could just focus on my stuff, and I didn't have to worry about making ends meet or expending a lot of energy on someone else's thing because the problem I started to realize is like I had to expend that energy and then it took so long to build those reserves back up that if I had an opportunity to work on something of mine like it I could you know I just wanted to rest I just wanted to watch stupid fucking YouTube videos or whatever so uh, so I really started to kind of reassess and realign where I was headed and I guess around two years ago so it's like a year yeah two years ago I started looking for uh, do, doing that. I started looking for a full-time job with the idea that I would do what I did before as far as movie stuff and like refocus on either trying to get mystery spot made or trying to get in-betweening made uh, and finishing Imago. Those are the... Not necessarily in that order, <laughs> but that, that's kind of the game plan. And so I looked and looked, was hearing nothing back, was hearing nothing back, and then finally a recommendation came friend of a friend had worked a place that uh, wasn't it wasn't any kind of creative job or anything it was purely data entry uh, medical record stuff uh, but it paid okay uh, and then I went and interviewed for it I didn't they actually couldn't give me the job I interviewed for I don't, it, it, but they offered me this other lower tier kind of entry level medical records thing and uh the pay for that was pretty terrible. It was like a cent, like a little bit above minimum wage, but I had no other choice. Like I was piecing together stuff. So I went ahead and took it because I had no choice and it was just nice to have stability. And then what I quickly realized is that there was an opportunity there, even though the, the base pay wasn't great and the job was pretty terrible and soul killing and the people that worked there are terrible. I have no problem saying that now. Uh, there was an opportunity to make a lot of money because they offered bonuses and stuff if you would work overtime and it was 
uh, you know, first a little here, a little there, and then it got crazy. You know, I started making money literally hand over fist. Like I was, I was able to kind of recover some equipment stuff, uh, in the interim, like when I was sort of flailing around, I lost a bunch of my stuff to pawn, uh, guitars, equipment. This is stuff that I didn't lose to Harvey. So that we lost to Harvey stuff. And then like right around the same time, because of Harvey, I couldn't work at like the couple jobs that I, part-time gigs that I did have, which one was at the escape room, which flooded and took a while to get back on its feet. The other one was, uh, uh, I was a standardized patient at Baylor and UT and they they had to cancel whatever you know uh, studies were going on at that time because of the storm so I was out of money and wasn't going to recoup any cash anytime soon so I couldn't pay the minimum on my pawn tickets I lost a bunch of equipment so when I got this other job I was able to quickly regain ground pay all my bills off uh, get my credit cleaned up uh, I did all the important stuff first and then we started enjoying a little bit of it I got a TV which our other TV was really old it was still like a tube HD TV I got a new TV I got a TV for Reagan um, I got a new car well not it's new to me but a newer car uh, re- started rebuying some of that equipment I had lost guitar a couple guitars uh, an amp just to sort of I mean I needed this stuff because I was also working on music things here and there for Imago like I needed the gear back but also these were treats for me to like get through those weeks of going to a job that I like <laughs> literally I would wake up what I, would th- what I always think about for, for you horror nerds is uh, the, oh, the beginning of Child's Play 3 when they take the old Chucky from 2 that had gotten melted in the weird you know toy store ending or toy factory ending they take the piece that melted they drop them in the new latex and they pull him out. They start reforming him, and then it, cl- you know, on his it closes up. It, there's a close up on his face that zooms in on the end. And when Chucky realizes, oh shit, he's alive in the doll again, he just it zooms in and he just goes, no. <laughs> that was what I would do every morning when I'd wake up. Like I felt like I was waking up just into another nightmare. Uh, so I re- I relate to you, Charles Lee Ray. Uh, but every day going to work was like that. It was the same routine that I fucking hated. I wanted to kill myself. I'm not using hyperbole. For the most part, there were days where I'm like, why am I even doing this? Like, you know, because I do have, you know, that stuff is in my head. But it was, you know, it just sucked. But the way I would offset that and deal with the depression is that I would buy myself treats. Treats that I needed, so to speak, but, you know, still they're like treats. Or like we would go, uh, uh, we went to the Ren Fest one weekend, you know, as a family, which we hadn't really done any family outings like that in a while. Or if we did, Melanie would have to take the brunt of it and pay for everything and felt bad about that. So, you know, we kind of would just go have fun. So that made it tolerable. And so quickly I was like, okay, well, this is how I make it tolerable. I will start to, you know, sock a little money away. We're we're saving money for a house, but also I'm going to get another office, which I did. I got, I got an office set up because I needed a place to work because I'm still getting other side work and editing work and doing music videos and uh, still kind of, you know, shepherding the Imago thing along. And I need a place to work because my old office is Reagan's room, obviously now. But uh, at this, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can funnel some of this into doing my own project again, finally. 
so those those thoughts started kicking around and I, we had a few test runs so like I did the honestly the reason I did I mean the first Jeff Caudill videos the burn video that never came out hopefully will eventually come out uh, and it'll make sense when it does because that one was a little more uh, there was special effects and stuff in that one and then the uh, new game face the newer game face video that just came out a couple months ago the reason I started doing all that was to see okay you know can I get my head into doing this again? Can I pull it off? Can I make something good? Because like I mentioned, I had weird PTSD left over from all those bad experiences. And even some of the good ones, honestly, you know, just being on set did not bring me joy anymore. And beyond that, it did not bring me financial stability. So it was kind of all fucked up in my head. So I was kind of dipping my toe in the water with these other little productions, you know, that I was running. And I, I admit that each time it was brutal, you know, like I, I questioned myself to the very, to the very, even on the days when we're shooting, I'm like, why am I doing this? Can I even do this? Can I make this work? Is it going to work? Uh, is it going to look right? Questioning, 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 stressing myself out, having panic attacks, but trying to hide it from everybody about everything. And then you know the videos or you know the videos that did come out they're great like that game face video i'm super all the videos i'm proud of but the game face one being the most recent and the one i was actually most worried about just because it had more moving parts i think even though it didn't have special effects if you've seen the video you know there are three different casts and we got to kind of make sure the older matches the younger and we kind of shot a little bit in california and i knew it was going to get a big release so that was kind of wigging me out so i just wanted to make sure i stuck the landing right and it was fucking with me. Like, I was super worried about it. But those of you that had seen it or those of you that had seen the response to it, it, it was fine. It was great. Super proud of it. It made people cry, which is great. <laughs> I know that sounds screwed up, but, you know, in a, crying in a nostalgic, happy way, not in a bummed out way. Um, so pushing through that, I was like, okay, maybe, maybe it's time to make another feature. We're going to... We're going to have to like cobble it together probably and do like a week here, a week there, maybe a week in the end of the summer and then a week, uh, you know, towards Christmas when people are, the people that are involved that are scattered kind of come home again or around Thanksgiving or whatever, but at least we'll be doing something. I'll be working towards something that's mine, that's cathartic. It would have been in betweening, which is very cathartic. Um, so I kind of started getting my head around that and, uh, started talking to people that would be involved and everybody was down and gung-ho to do it like across the board i can't i can't express how wonderful pretty much everybody was and it's you know everybody that had been attached to the movie in the first place when we tried to kickstart it didn't work uh, so i was like okay you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel i got a goal and the plan was uh another thing i mentioned that i didn't another thing i didn't mention was that when i was flush with cash this last Christmas, I was like, you know what? For Reagan's seventh birthday, we're going to go to Disneyland. That way, we'll, she gets to go to Disney. We get to see a bunch of California people that we haven't seen since Melanie was pregnant with Reagan. And uh, I can you know, maybe work some work stuff in there a little bit or whatever. But you know, I see a lot of the people that I've become really close to over the last few years. And they'll get to hang out with Reagan. And so that was the plan. We'd go around her birthday, which is August... Uh, her birthday's August 10th, but we're leaving on August 9th. So we're there, you know, for like a week around that. So the idea was we'll shoot this movie the last week of July or part of the movie. We'll shoot for a week. 
I'll get to actually enjoy a vacation. We'll have a blast. Come back. We had a week, I have a week that's down because there's no summer camp or anything. Uh, Reagan's going to stay with grandparents. So we have a week of like chilling and then, uh, school starts and then I could get into just the routine again and, uh, start editing the movie and, you know, start plugging away at maybe setting up the next chunk a few months out. So that's kind of, that was kind of the plan because like I said, I was making, I was making good money. I was making like between 3,500 and $5,000 every couple of weeks just to be transparent about how much was coming in. So, um, and so, so I was like, okay, you know, the plans were set, man. Like I was good to go and had everybody set. I was getting ready to start book. I actually had already booked Debbie's ticket, uh, because she, she's up in Canada. I knew it would be, that one would be the most logistically tough, you know, cause she's got, you know, she's got movies that she's working on and conventions to do and stuff. And, uh, she, the flights are crazy. She's got to make crazy connections. So I wanted to knock that one out. So I booked her ticket. I was getting ready to book everybody else's travel. And I go into the job on, uh, it was May the 17th. And uh, I get a call or a, 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 I am a message that says, hey, can you just come up? Can you come upstairs? And I go upstairs and they fired me like with no warning or notice or previous conversations or anything. So they just shit canned me out of nowhere. So like that, the rugs pulled out from under me and not only that, and they were like, you know, we'll send you, we'll FedEx you your final check or whatever, uh, which is great because I was going to get that in the next two days so I could at least start, you know, salving the wounds. But all the overtime that I had earned and all the bonuses that I had earned up to that time on that check, none of it was given to me. They stripped it all away. And I guess I couldn't really fight it because they canned me. Uh, I still don't really know why. To be honest, I didn't even question why because even though it sucked and I knew that it was going to drastically change stuff in a huge way, I was so happy to be out of that place. I almost told him thank you. I may still tell him thank you. We'll get to that part. Um, but I was it was like a weight had been lifted off of me. And granted, I was fucked money-wise. I didn't know what we were going to do. But when I called Melanie and told Melanie about it, she was like, you hated that place anyway. We'll figure it out. So fucking big ups to her. You know, that's why she's my partner in crime. But uh, what even what makes that situation even more screwed up in classic house fashion? That day, uh, I I like I said, I was getting ready to book all the flights and start doing the stuff for the movie shoot for in betweening, and uh, so before I did that, I was like, you know what? I've got some extra cash. My car needs an oil change. I think it needs new tires. Uh, making a couple of weird noises. I'm going to drop it off at the shop and I'll walk over to the office because I could walk. The good thing, another good thing about this place, one of the few is that I could walk to where the office is for my house. And I could walk to my office, the one I got, the upstart office from those places as well. So um, I, I dropped my car off. I walked to work, work. And then that's when they canned me. So they shit canned me. They sent the box man, which is if you you know that I I should have known because when I got this job I looked on Glassdoor, and they wanted everybody that gave it a bad review, which is a lot of people. They're like they'll fire you for no reason, and they'll just you know send the box man to get your stuff and you're out of there. That's exactly what happened to me. Exactly what you read on Glassdoor about this place is exactly what happened. And not only did they bring me all my stuff, and I had a lot of I had a big lunch kit full of snap kitchen food. I had a backpack because uh, I 
my laptop in the car and I didn't want to leave it at the shop. I had my backpack. And then I had a bunch of stuff in my desk that I just kind of let, you know, like uh, gum and uh, charger cables and, uh, you know, shit like that. So it was a box of stuff. So they bring all this to me and now I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. I'm, I'm going to walk to, I guess, my office. So I'm trotting down 610 with this box in my arms and my backpack and my lunch kit strapped strapped over me. I look like, uh, you know, John Rambo or whatever with all the shit strapped all over me. Uh, and it's hot as balls, of course, because it's May. And uh, I'm just like, I, I have no idea what I'm going to do, but I guess I'll figure it out. You know, it's a classic house situation. So I went, you know, as often happens with me in those situations. Hold on. Let me make sure we're still recording here. Are we? Yeah. Okay, good. Sorry. The thing went to sleep. I wasn't sure. As often happens in those situations, as is my nature and has been my whole life, because I've always had to deal with like being one step away from my survival being in question kind of situations. I went into triage mode. So I, you know, I, I go back to go over to my office, walk over to my office, kind of just sit there, take stock of everything, chill out for a bit, watch some dumb YouTube videos <laughs> just to kind of take the edge off. And then just started thinking about what's my plan going to be? How am I going to get out of this? And I mean, I started continuing. I would, the whole time I worked at this other job that I hated, I continued to fill out applications for production type job jobs, like full-time production jobs, similar to what I had before when I was at the Girl Scouts, but no bites, nothing. We'd hear nothing, nothing, nothing. So I was like, I'll keep doing that, but who knows if that's going to work out at all. So I need other plans. So um, I had been kind of laying the groundwork to do some big corporate video kind of gigs. I did little ones here and little ones here, little ones there. Actually, that week that I got fired, I had a shoot on Friday that I was going to have to figure out how to get out of work work to do. So I guess, you know, they're not entirely the bad guy. I was going to have to call in sick, quote unquote, to do this shoot. But, you know, I was going to make a thousand bucks in a day where I would have made 150 if I just worked at the job job. So uh, and it was something I wanted to do for a place that I wanted to get more work at. So uh, so I had that coming. Of course, I knew that. But that was kind of a one off sort of thing. I didn't know if it would lead to more. But I, I was really started thinking about, okay, I've got to really stick this landing because I've got to get more of this work now. So let me get my shit together there. Get all my ducks in a row. Uh, all this time I had Caitlin as my assistant too. So I, if she listens to this, I know Caitlin, you know none of this other background stuff. So now you know, you're hearing this for the first time. And I'm sorry, but you know, I just, I was so embarrassed about having to do the soulless, soul-killing, shitty-ass day job stuff that I just kind of didn't want to let anybody know about it that didn't have to know about it, right? It was just like delivering pizzas for me, except there was less interaction with people, and uh, actually the people that worked there were shittier, I think. People that worked at the place that I worked at recently, not the pizza place. Uh, definitely not people I'd want to hang out with, but... Uh, it, you know, I just didn't want to let anybody in on what was going on, right? But again, didn't matter because it was paying the bills and then some. So anyway, I had to figure out what was gonna, what I was going to do with Caitlin because I didn't have those thousands, literal thousands of extra dollars every couple weeks to have an assistant who really now, if you think about it, 
you start to realize me having an assistant is not me being trying to be bougie or whatever. It's I'm having her work on stuff that I can't do during the work day because I'm working, working, right? So now that plan kind of starts to make more sense. So that was why I brought her in in the first place, right? So that happens. Um, I start kind of trying to get my shit together for the corporate work, uh, hoping that I'll find a way to make it work. And then uh, at the same time, I had a friend who's a producer that I've worked with a bunch uh, reach out to me. They had been reaching out to me a lot, actually. And they were like, hey, man, uh, we have a line on some money. If you have something you want to make, let us know. And uh, we'll see if we can get it made. And the last few times I went there, you know, we had this conversation. And I just never... I like, you know, I'm like I said, I'm friends with these people. And I know what this shit does to friendships. It's, you know, movies, it changes that. It changes things. Especially if you're in that kind of producer, producerial kind of relationship behind the scenes. Money fucks everything up, man. So I didn't want to jeopardize our friendship, really. And I also, movies, the movies thing is so transitory. Like you could finance my movie, but one, I'm not going to get rich off of it. That's what everybody seems to fail to understand. Like, as soon as something gets green lit, they want to put their hands in my pockets. And I'm like, bitch, I'm barely getting paid off this. You know, you don't understand how low the budget is. We're just trying to get this done. Uh, so I know that it's it'll be great for a little while, but after that, then what? So I'm trying to do three, three things, right? I'm trying to get a full-time job. I'm trying to land some of this contract work. And I'm trying to get a movie green lit, maybe, or thinking about it, right? Because that could be an option because I'm, I'm really having no traction on the other fronts, right? So, and I'm, I'm not necessarily trying to get all three of these things to happen. These are just, these are the three things I'm throwing at the wall and I'm just going to see which one sticks first and I'm going to go with that and then pick up the pieces later, right? So, I'm working on all three of these things and finally, because I had heard nothing, I mean, I would, I would spend my days, I'd drop Reagan off at school, uh, I'd go to the office and try to do a little bit of work, maybe some editing if I had like a, you know, a little bit of corporate gig work to do. Sometimes I'd go, I'd still kind of kept the part-time job at the escape room at Cypher. So I would do that because I, you know, it, I like the place. I like the people there, but again, you know, it's a part-time gig, so it's not solving any problems necessarily, but keeping me afloat, you know, I appreciate it for sure. And they let me shoot there and stuff. So don't get me wrong. Love those guys. But I would then just I would come home and just fill out applications, fill out applications. And I kind of had, had to let the Cypher guys know what was up because on my applications, if I had to put down references, I would use them because they're my current bosses. At one job, at least. And it was them, Debbie Rashawn, Lisa Wilcox, and Jeff Cottle from Gameface were my references. So I'm like, well, at least you know this stuff led to something, right? So uh, trying to fill out, trying to get hired, trying to get work trying to get greenlit all these things I'm trying to do pause again for a drink ah my apologies I'm in Brenham now if you guys are wondering so you see where we're at here okay so all these things I'm trying to make happen uh, May 17th is when I got canned right at the other job 
uh, one day when I'm at Cypher, I see uh, I see a job listing, and it sounds pretty like everything I'm applying to all sounds like some version of the job I had at the Girl Scouts. So it's it's you know I'm uniquely qualified for it. I did it for a long time. I would love to do it again. That's my ideal gig, like a video production manager for a company or corporation or a nonprofit. You know, uh, I'll take it. So and so this is the stuff I'm applying for. Because I want long-term stability, right? I don't want to fucking deal with this other shit anymore. I'm not concerned with working on other people's movies. I want to do my own. And the only way I can see doing that in a sane and healthy fashion with everything that's happened is to have a stable base, right? Because that's what we've done time and time again in the past. So, applying to these jobs. I I see a job listing. It sounds pretty good. Uh, and the one thing I noticed about the listing uh, is that, aside from it, you know, sounding pretty decent, uh, it's located kind of far out from where I live, but that didn't really matter. I, you know, I'm used to driving; no big deal. I, I did. I drove up to Kingwood all the time when I did that job there, and, uh, so that's not a big deal. But as part of the listing, they said, you know, send us your resume, send a link to your reel, which is kind of what all those listings say. And then fax us a letter of interest, and I was like, "That could be a mistake. They could have forgot they because I was this was on Monster or Indeed or whatever." I was so I was like, "That they could because everything's automated on those sites, you know, the way you apply." So I was like, "That could be a re- a remnant from a previous posting where you would have had to fax something in, or or more likely, this is a test. They're trying to see if people can follow directions and fax something." If anybody even knows how to fax something. So what I did was I faxed them. I emailed them all this, but also faxed them the letter of interest like they asked. And sure enough, within a few days, they called me in to see if I wanted to come uh, see if I wanted to come uh, interview. So I was pretty stoked about that. But again, just an interview. Who knows? They could hate me. So... Uh, I go in for the interview on a... It was like a Thursday? Thursday? Friday? It was towards the end of the week. Go in for the interview on a Thursday or Friday. I um, I think I thought the interview... At the time, I remember thinking the interview went really well. So I was like, man, I hope I get that. I like the people. Sounds like a great job. I really got along with everybody. The pay is great. You know, The only downside is the drive. It's not even a downside, really. Uh, I don't mind driving, so... You know, I just got spoiled by being within walking distance from my home. But, you know, I live in the fourth largest largest city in the U.S. I can drive. It's fine. So uh, I was really hoping that I would get it. But at the same time, it was the only place that had gotten back to me. And they were pretty good at poker facing me. You know, like let not letting me know how they felt. Well, I had kind of an idea, but I've been fooled by that before, let's say. So I didn't want to count my chickens before they hatch, so to speak. So, uh, that night, because I was super freaked out and I literally was running out of money and, you know, Melanie works too, but, and she makes good money, but I don't want her to have to, I just can't, it, it I don't want to have to, I want her to have to take the whole load. Right. And beyond that, I just hate, I hate not being able to go see a movie if I want to, uh, you know, after everybody goes to sleep or pay my phone, but you know what I mean? I hate not being able to do that on my, of my own accord or just like 
go get a sandwich if I'm feeling it. So that shit drives me crazy because I think it taps into like all the shit I dealt with in, ch- in childhood because we lived in relative poverty. But uh, so I, I was just kind of freaking out because I knew that I, I was about to run out of my own money. And uh, so I finally pulled the trigger on the movie thing and I was like, hey, we had this, we had a project that fell through, which was, you know, in between, we we're going to try to get it made. Uh, would you be down with financing mystery spot? We had some dates where we we're going to bring people here to shoot. I would like to retain those dates because a lot of the same people are involved. The same, it's, it's the exact same crew. We could shoot this other thing. And the reason that I bring, you know, I, I kind of pivoted on the project was in between is very personal and cathartic, but and I don't, I think once people see it, they'll be into it, but it's not an easy sell. It's, it, it, I think it'd be hard to get people in the room for it necessarily. Right. Very personal mystery spot is more of a commercial project uh you know the genre is always popular even though it's not super super genre but it, it, it's something that can make somebody some money back for sure especially the way we've oops sorry hit the rumble strips especially the way that we've kind of set up the project now uh, which i'll get to eventually i promise so i emailed the friend that kind of was wooing me and said hey what do you think Sent him everything that I had. I had the budget ready to go because I mean, <clears throat> like I said, I've had that movie in the hopper for a while, so I had pre-prepped it and everything. And uh, the Fred got back. They were like, you know, we just sold a movie that did pretty well. Not sure where we stand. No promises, but I'll see what I can do. To me, that was like, well, okay, it probably won't happen, but at least I tried, you know. And I kind of felt relieved because, well, now. Maybe we don't go down that road and I don't lose another friendship over movies, right? So, uh, but at least I, you know, at least I had tried and you never know if you don't try, right? So I made, I made the ask, uh, made the ask, was waiting for, waiting for word from the job. And also I'm waiting to see if my contract work was good enough for this other huge, uh, institution to hire me to do a really huge job but it's all maybe stuff at this point it's all hypothetical so I'm still flailing you know I don't know what I'm going to do I'm thinking about I don't know like there was a moment where I was like man maybe I should try to get my teaching certificate there was uh, I was going to go to a six week coding boot camp like computer coding because when I would look through job listings I was like okay well those jobs are always available they pay pretty well not something I have a passion for but it's something that I know a little bit about from my past and I think I could pick it up relatively easily and it would definitely be a stable kind of gig you know Uh, so I kind of flirted with that for a while but the cost for the boot camp was pretty expensive so we didn't know but we're almost ready to do it Uh, so it's like all these we were spinning all these plates to just kind of figure out which one was going to figure out what was going to stick right and so what happened again in classic Melhouse fashion on the next like I don't know I think we had gone out to Texas City if I'm not mistaken all this was happening but yeah I think we went down to Texas City for the weekend or something maybe I, oh I think we went to go see Godzilla I think it was around that time maybe just because we wanted to go 
get out of the house and do something and it always seems to our uh, our woes always seem to revolve around a Godzilla movie I remember when the last legendary Godzilla movie came out it was kind of the same situation where uh, we had just been our lives were in the toilet for a while and that was our first that was our first uh, foray out as like a date we're like we're gonna go fucking see Godzilla so it was kind of the same thing uh, we went to go see Godzilla King of the Monsters and uh, I believe so it was that day that I had to call the producer he wanted me to call him and have a talk with him I told him I'd call him you know later that afternoon it was a Sunday and uh, he said he said okay I gave everything over They're, they like it they're probably going to give you an answer this week he's like but it was it was very non-committal so I was like okay the answer is probably going to be no or they're going to you know, go with somebody else or maybe want to buy it, which would be great. I'd sell it for someone else to do. Um, so that's kind of the vibe I got. Great. Okay. So then Monday, the next day, Monday happens. Um, I'm just, just kind of getting antsy because I'm like, man, is this other, is this job going to call me and let me know one way or the other if they want me? I'm hearing nothing. At the end of that day, I get an email from the job I interviewed from, for, and they were like, we love you. We want you to start next Monday. Let us know if this, this, and this will work. And let us know what equipment we need to buy for you to get you started and hit the ground running. And I'm like, man, fan-fucking-tastic. Are you kidding me? Like, I got a job. I was on top of the world, man. And I was like, okay, well, whatever happens on all the other things doesn't really matter. Like, I'm set, right? And, of course, like I said, in classic Melhouse, in classic Melhouse monkey's paw fashion, that night... I get a call from the producer and he's like, guess what? You're making a movie. You're green lit. So I got the green light for the feature that night. And then the next day, within 24 hours, all this happened. I'm not bullshitting. The next day, I got confirmation that the big institution was going to bring me on to do contract work for them for this big project they have to get done before the end of the fiscal year, which is September 1st or the beginning of the fiscal year. So... Got everything I wanted, literally everything, all at once. Now the problem becomes, how do I do all this, right? Because now I have a full-time job, and I'm doing a feature that is already hard enough if you don't have a full-time job. I'm just starting this full-time job, and I'm already having to take that week off. Because I told them in the interview, I was like, hey, I'm going to Disneyland for my kid's birthday. Hopefully that's okay. They're fine with it, but you know, that's already like, I'm like, Hey, just started in a month. See you for a week. And then, you know, so not putting my best foot forward. I don't think at the time. And then, you know, how am I going to work this movie shoot around it? Even if I'm not taking off, it's going to be a psychic experiment situation where it's like, I'm going to work and I am like beat used up. There's no way I can think straight, which also keep in mind. I did that when I was 27, I think if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? I think that's I think it's right. Twenty-seven to thirty. I, it's all running together. But I was way younger, is what I'm saying. I don't know if I and I, you know, I had some serious health shit happen in between now and then, then and now, and so I'm like, can I even do that if I wanted to pull those quasi all nighters for this movie? I don't know. And, you know, I don't know. But I'm gonna have to make it work somehow because I'm not saying no to any of this, right? How can as as much as I've been pissing and moaning and complaining about not getting what I want now all my dreams come true 
I got to make it work, right? So, so now, right now, I'm juggling doing that corporate work, which I'm doing pretty well on, doing the work work, the job job, which I love. It's amazing. It's awesome. All I do all day is edit, which is more than I could ask for. The people are great. Uh, they really appreciate me and my work, and we're doing good stuff, so I can't complain there. And the movie itself, we're, head, we're deep in pre-production for it, for Mystery Spot. Like I said, it starts on Labor Day. Uh, I've got a pretty awesome cast. Uh, changed slightly from what I had planned, uh, but just because of schedules and stuff and the way we're doing it uh, and the way we have to shoot it, even the location changed from the one I had planned to use, but it actually worked out better. The places that we're shooting at is amazing. Uh, but, you know, we're deep in pre-production for that. Now, you know, having to kind of juggle that stuff around, I think we're going to, oh, we're doing a lot of work already. I've got a great team assembled uh, that's taken a lot of the brunt off of me. Uh, line producers, producers, they've all been great, fucking fantastic. Like, I don't know how to deal without them. The cast, the crew, I, it's amazing. <clears throat> like I already, I'm dealing with some crazy anxiety in conjunction with it. I'm not going to lie. Like the first couple of nights after like all of it, I got all of it and I knew that I was getting everything. Um, I was freaking the fuck out. Like you would think that I had just been told that I was going to die. Like I was depressed. I had bad, bad bubble guts and IBS and you would have never, you would have never guessed that I pretty much got everything I'd been wishing for for the last few years. It was rough, and it still kind of comes back and forth. I still get weird anxiety about it all, just in the sense of how, gonna, how am I going to make it all work? Who am I going to let down? How am I going to crash? You know, shit like that is going through my head, just because there's so much to juggle. You know, and at the same time, I still got to be a dad. I still got to be at home. School starts. It, there's all this other stuff that's not that I haven't even talked about that I got to worry about. You know in and around all that so uh, I'm thankful for the team that I have because they're helping me offload and defuse a lot of that shit already uh, and the, you know so uh, you know I don't know what more I can do uh, other than just shut the fuck up and do it right <laughs> what am I complaining about all my dreams came true yay uh, so yeah that's uh that's kind of like the full on what what has been going on behind the scenes letting everything out to the world you know uh, just releasing it all out there kind of story as to what's been happening um, and again I, I let some people know kind of what was going on just because I had to and I felt because what I had done is I had set like I said I set up the groundwork to do the uh, in-betweening shoot and we were again. We were bringing people here uh, for a week. I actually scheduled scheduled around that. Actually, this it was this week that I was going to do it. I keep forgetting because it was all based on the Jawbox thing. Because I was going to, we were going to come to the show tomorrow. We were going to do a, a table read of uh, Fade to Black because a lot of those people were involved in in betweening. I figured it'd be fun something to do again like just something fun to do that I could kind of funnel my blood money into to you know have fun and enjoy the work that I've done uh, even the original work the first work the original work we we're gonna have fun with it because I was inspired by uh, 
there was a comedian that did the same thing with a script that he wrote that never got made. And it was really funny. So I figured it'd be funny for us to do. So we were going to do that tomorrow. And then starting Monday, we were going to start shooting uh, the project. So uh, I had to kind of, when everything fell, fell apart, as soon as everything fell apart, I had to let everybody know. And I just kind of let everybody know the deal because making these movies has been such a fire drill already on every front, like start, stop, we're going, we're not, we were going to do it, but now we can't. Now the day's changed. You know, I hate violating people's trust like that time because every time, everybody's time is valuable. So I wanted to let them know, Hey, I'm super sorry, but this is what happened. And this is exactly how I was going to make it and why I can't continue to make it now because I don't know even how I'm going to pay my bills. Right. So I sent that email out. Everybody was super supportive. They were like, it'll happen when the time is right. But keep in mind that within a week from that, I got this green light for this other movie that involved a lot of the same people. So I had to then turn around and be like, hey, uh, we're a go for Mystery Spot in September. Are you good? So it kind of, you know, I can see how that would come across weird. It's like, well, did I decide at the last minute I didn't want to make one movie and then decided to make another and throw some people by the wayside on the way? No, not the case at all. I just told you exactly what happened. I hadn't intended it to happen that way at all. Uh, but, you know, like I said, there was a lot of overlap. So I had to, I had some serious explaining to do to everybody. And for those that didn't know this full story, now you do. I can just point you here. Uh, so, yeah, so that's what's going on. And the cast for Mystery Spot, uh, we just locked everybody in. Cast is uh, Lisa Wilcox, Debbie Rashawn, Graham Skipper, all of whom... We, all of whom I love and have worked with and have been looking forward to working with again. So Lisa, Debbie, Graham, Bobby Simpson, Jill Broomer, uh, Julie Osterman, who was in a couple of the Game Face videos, uh, Bobby, obviously, placeholders, Jill, placeholders. Uh, all these people were going to be in uh, in betweening, too. Um, who am I forgetting? Reagan's going to be in it as a ghostly little girl. Uh, Stephen Scott, who I haven't had the pleasure of working with since uh, Witchcraft. For those of you that have seen Witchcraft, he is Eldridge, uh, who is you know kind of Will Spanner's Yoda in that movie, Witchcraft 13. Uh, he is returning. He's going to be throwing it down with us again, so I'm excited about that. Uh, Sean Patrick Judge, who is a person we've... Uh, I think we worked together like once or twice. We have a lot of mutual friends, but he's coming aboard. Uh, a few of the people I work with at Cypher that are actors and actresses, they're going to be part of it. Caitlin's going to be in it. So, yeah, it's it's friends, It's a friends and family kind of thing, even though they're all professionals, you know, are brought in. And the same is with the crew. Uh, Ken Whiting is shooting it, who, you know, I love that dude. We've worked on several projects together. He's, he, we call him the Wizard of Light. So, as you can imagine, he's going to do a great job. Um Roberto and Isaiah are our grip and gaffer team. And I've worked with those guys a bunch uh, ever since I think Cold Descent was the first thing we worked on together. Uh, all of us. No, was that? Yeah, Cold Descent was. No, it was Wicked Tricks. Wicked Tricks is where I met those guys. I, maybe. I don't know, man. The timelines get all crazy. I've got to really chronicle this stuff better. Um, but we worked on a bunch of stuff together. Uh, Katie Jacobs is doing makeup. Christy's doing the special effects makeup. Uh, Jen Cunningham, who I'm going to meet tonight in Austin, 
is our production designer that's helped me build like a lot of the mystery spot stuff. Obviously, the usual, the usual suspects: Chris, Brittany, Domingo, uh, Melanie. Uh, my producers: Lyle and Audrey Wazalewski. Lyle Canoose and Audrey Wazalewski, who I fucking love. Uh, they're the friends that I, you know I was talking about. They've been amazing. They are amazing actors in their own right. Lyle's going to be in it as well. Uh, you've seen both of these people. Uh, they're, you know, like I said, working character actors. Uh, my producer, Caroline, is awesome. My line producer, Claire, who I've worked with a bunch. Or Actually, you know what? I haven't worked with her a bunch. I've only worked with her on one thing. But she was so amazing that there's no way I'm not going to bring her on to something, especially something I'm fucking freaking out about. Uh, she, we share a brain. She is the Australian female version of me. Uh, so yeah, it, uh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be fine with this team. Uh, I can't wait to assemble them all together and get started. Uh, we're uh, 99% of the movie happens in one place. So that's cool. But the place that we're staying, uh, it's kind of, there's a field right next door where we can build the mystery spot, which is how it's supposed to be anyway. But we're going to have to, we're going to kind of have to cheat it before at the previous location. Now we don't have to do that. So it's kind of like everything works out. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're, like I said, heavily pre-proing all that. We just locked all the actors in. I think we have our schedule ready to go. Chris has been doing a great job on that. Of course, uh, as we get closer, we're starting to lock down wardrobe and production design stuff. That's what I'm doing today. Um, so there'll be more to come for sure. Uh, I'm definitely going to try to chronicle the process and especially the weird shit that's going on internally with me. Because like I said, I should be only happy about this. I got everything I wanted with everybody I wanted pretty much. Even people we had to kind of switch out or move around are still they're people I want to work with, people that I have a relationship with. Or that come highly recommended, you know. So, no complaints there. Uh, production team's been great. Location's great. People that own the location are great. They're teachers. A few of their students are going to come be PAs, I think. We're going to have some set visits from a few people. Um, I don't want to say who yet, but it's it'll be cool stuff for the people that are visiting. Uh, kind of an opportunity that I wish I had gotten when I was that age, if that makes sense. Um, so that'll be fun, but I'm still, you know, there's still part of me that's just super fucking wound up about it. And of course, making movies is hard, right? But I'm mind fucking myself in a way that I've never done on something like this before. Like, I feel like David Helf got right before he plays the rock on and off in uh, shine where it's like he gets through it, but then he has a nervous breakdown. I don't think that's going to happen. I'm sure it'll be fine, but that's what I dread. You know what I mean? And that's, you know, I put up something online about making sure my boxing trainer is there with us every day. And the reason I'm doing that, again, it's not like a la-di-da, I'm living the high life now kind of thing. It's that I'm finally getting healthy after all the shit that happened and all the ways that movies kind of wrecked my body. Or the movies and the, the movies, the work related to movies, the lack of money, the depression that either was a direct result of working on the movie or shit that was in my own head about other people's movies. Just all that shit. You know, I, I was living unhealthily. 
literally and mentally, you know, like, cause I'm a stress eater. It made me depressed. So I didn't want to get out and do anything. Uh, I would just have a dark cloud around me, suicidal ideation, all that shit. You know what I mean? So I had to crawl out of that. And one way that I, that really helped me do that was boxing. Like, I started to get in shape for sure. I lost a bunch of weight and really, you know, really enjoyed it, really enjoyed the people there. It clicked for me, finally. Because I flirted with martial arts stuff a lot, but this is a place that had, like, put me off eventually. There's, it's kind of weird. Like, MMA gyms or martial arts gyms are kind of, I actually relate them to movies somewhat and that there's always weird political ego shit going on. It's, the, it's one of the only other places I've seen that kind of behavior other than like band music stuff. Like, you know, live music uh, type situations. The live music scene. Uh, weird behavior. But anyway, this is the first place that wasn't really wrapped up in all that. So I, I clicked and became, got, you know, got in shape. I'm in probably the best shape I've been in a long time. And I want to maintain that. So I'm having Sergio come out. Shout out to Slava Boxing and Fitness. Check them out. They're amazing. They're in the Heights. Uh, I love that place. But uh, he's coming out. He's going to help. He's going to train me, you know, on the days where I can fit, fit a little work in. And then not only will that keep me healthy and hopefully keep me from eating the standard shitty movie diet, <clears throat> but also mentally, hopefully it'll keep me centered because obviously, you know, once your endorphins and shit get going, you know, the bad thoughts start to dissipate. At least they do for me. Because I, that it, it helps me clear my head. That's how I clear my head is the work, you know, working out. Even even working on the movie doesn't actually clear my head. Sometimes it even winds me up, it winds me up even more. So training has helped. So that's why I'm making a point to try and try and do that and maintain that rhythm. Uh, but yeah, other than that, we are just uh, putting the pieces together and getting ready to rock. Uh, I don't know what more I can say until we actually get closer to go time, but I'm de- we're definitely going to have a few uh, few installments either right before, definitely right before, definitely during. I want to like set some people down to interview. I know that's I say that now, and of course we'll get on the day we won't have time or won't feel like it. I'm pretty sure I'll be dead tired, but I, I got, got to try to capture the stuff right. Um, but definitely right after, if nothing else, right? Uh, have Lisa on. Have Deb. Debbie's going to be here. We've got to have her on. Uh, it's been a while since we've been face-to-face with one another in the same room, right? So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely be putting more out. That's why I kind of wait. I wanted to wait because I wanted to wait until I felt comfortable talking about all this stuff. But also I wanted to wait until I had stuff to talk about instead of just being vague and uh, there's stuff we can talk about, but later, not yet, or we can't say this or that. And of course, alongside all this, the vendors on Imago are ready to rock as well right now, finally. So not only is everything else going on, but now the Imago guys want to button it up. The guys out in LA, which is great. I'm happy. I got a color, uh, a pass from the color, the, the uh, colorist that I I've only had time to scan through, but it looks great. Fantastic. He's a wonderful, wonderful guy. He's probably going to work on Mystery Spot too. Uh, but I haven't. I said I had a chance to sit down and watch it. This is something I've been trying to get done for literally years. And that was like 
my only focus and now it's like I just I literally don't have time to do it but it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's all gonna happen we're all gonna figure it out Chris hasn't had time to do it either because he's been working constantly on sets uh, he just got back from another one and is, I think might even be getting on one between when we when now when I'm recording this and when we start Mystery Spot he's been going 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 um, and just to show him some love the movie he worked on Itsy Bitsy that comes out you can pre-order it on Amazon now. It's got a cover done by Matthew Joseph Peake, the guy that did all the Nightmare co- uh, posters. Uh, uh, you can pre-order that one on Amazon. Uh, there's a series called Two Sides that he AD'd. It's a Snapchat series, so it's I guess it's available on Snapchat. Uh, Claire worked on that with them. They shot it in Austin a few months ago. Uh and I feel like there's another movie that he worked on that's about to come out, but I'm blanking on it. Uh, if I remember between now and when I put this up, I'll put it in the links, the show, the show notes. Uh, so sorry if I forget, forgot one thing, Chris. It's just you work on so goddamn much now. Um, I can't keep track. Um, so yeah, that's what's been going on. And uh, hopefully there'll be, now there'll be more updates to come because I have a lot, a lot to update and a lot to talk about. Um, and hopefully I just don't crumble under the awesomeness of my own life now, <laughs> because like I said, it's, you know, it's this weird, uh, gypsy curse. Got everything I wanted, uh, thinner, except for thinner. I can still use some, lose some weight, I guess. Uh, so yeah, uh, like, rate, subscribe. I promise there won't be as long of a pause between this one and the next one. There'll be some good ones headed your way. I'm going to get everybody on here so we can chat. And, uh, yeah, talk to you guys next time. All right, there we go with part one. I just wanted to end on a couple of things. Again, I only touch on the mental stuff I was dealing with a little bit on this. Uh, More of that's probably coming up as I can – I feel like I can talk about it more objectively once we get through it and I just kind of have a better idea of you know how I you know how I feel about the whole thing but I did want to say uh, two things one it is not lost on me that this podcast and this entire shoot pretty much is happening during suicide prevention week Uh, if you've seen any of my movies or have read the script for this one or in this one you know that pops up a lot in my work Uh, it's because when I was Younger, uh, I made a couple of attempts on my own life, and it's the ideation continues to this day. It's just something that I've learned that I have to deal with, and something that I've recently learned like has a sort of, a, you know, there's a bloodline of it in my family that I didn't even know about really until a few years ago, around the time we did Imago. Um, but uh, yeah, it's important to say that if you if you need help or if you know anybody that needs help, uh, there are resources out there. Please, you know, the suicide prevention hotline is one eight hundred two seven three talk. That's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. If you feel like you're struggling, that's a resource for you. Uh, please talk to someone. Uh, if it's not them and someone you know and love, someone that can help. Uh, also, some another place that I've um, found support and was sort of um, 
things got pretty dark. <clears throat> As I mentioned, things got pretty dark with the anxiety stuff going into this. And there were a couple things that happened right before we started shooting that made me realize, okay, this is really bad. I need to make a move that I've been flirting with making for a while. And I started going to therapy. Um, I say going to therapy. It feels weird to say that because I've been doing it mostly online, but it's been very effective. And the resource that I use for that is betterhelp.com. I actually heard about uh, that resource through a bunch of podcasts. They advertise on a lot of podcasts. They don't sponsor this one, but that's how I heard about it. And uh, this is not a paid advertisement or anything, but I would say that I highly recommend it. It helped me tremendously. I'm still participating. Um, they Most of the work that you know, I have to say they do a seven-day free trial, so you can check it out and see if it works for you. And most of the initial work that we did to where I kind of could get my head around it happened within that time. So, um, and then I continue, I still continue to pay for it and uh, am using it even now. If uh, I would say check out the seven-day free trial, if it seems like it may be something you can't afford moving forward past that, they do have options for uh, to subsidize the cost. I haven't really looked into those, but I do know they are there. So uh, again, BetterHelp.com, wonderful resource. Uh, you can you know you, you can chat, message, email any any time of day, or leave voice memos or whatever, and your counselor will get back to you. Uh, usually like a few times a day for me. So, and it, it helped tremendously. So I just wanted to put this little addenda on there for those two things. Uh, again, suicide prevention hotline, 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255 and uh, betterhelp.com. Check it out if you think you need a little help. We all do at some point or another. It took me a long time to realize that. Uh, don't be a hero. Uh, sometimes you do have to lean on other people or at least bounce things off other people to get a better perspective on what's going on and get out of your head a little bit. So thanks for listening and I'll be back with more soon.